Hey everyone, it's Mike and you are listening to the Hillco Homes podcast and today I have Alex again with me and we are going to talk about co-wholesaling. This is a topic that you wanted to talk about. This is something that you think is uh, pretty important to wholesalers out there uh, far and wide. Um, what is co-wholesaling? Let's start off with that. So co-wholesaling. Co-wholesaling is when you are partnering up with somebody else to move or to help that individual sell their contracts to that property. For, in, uh, for an example, Mike has a great deal in the 78210 area that fits the criteria of one of my buyers. And so I see that or, you know, he pitched it out to me and I tell him, hey, I actually have a buyer who would love this property. Why don't we go ahead and work together? We, we discuss our terms as far as split and what we're bringing individually to the table to work out a, a split fee uh, you know, in this profit and help this, help this um, seller get their property sold by getting my buyer involved to move, uh, to, buy that, to buy that property. And so today I really wanted to talk about co-wholesaling because I think a lot of people really don't talk about working together with other wholesalers. And I think there's a, a lot of very important things a wholesaler needs to know when uh, you know, co-wholesaling with another individual. So I think when it comes to the topic of co-wholesaling, um, there's one really, really, really big component that needs to be addressed. And that is the split of fees. I think that is one of the things, one of the reasons why so many wholesalers refuse or don't even try or don't even consider um, co-wholesaling because um, they want to get as much of the fee as they can. Um, But the reality is uh, there's a lot of trade-offs. Like, yes, that's true, but no, it's also not true because you can have a great deal. And it may take you one or two months to move it, but you could have also had maybe three or four deals that someone else is helping you work Mm -hmm. so that you don't have to work them and still make the same amount of money in the same amount of time. Mm -hmm. So there's that trade-off of you can get that one maybe potentially bigger payout over a period of time. Three uh, three months. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) These deals take a range of time and a range of effort and everything's Mm -hmm. every single one of them is different but the idea is if you can leverage someone else's time and someone else's network Mm -hmm. to accomplish the same thing why not yeah so uh, i'm gonna speak on that so i think it's very important for people to really understand it's about value okay everybody's trying to get rich off of one deal and and you're not gonna get rich off of one deal Right. right I mean, of course, you know, you, you don't want to waste your time. You want to make a lot of money and that's fine. But it's very important to understand that, you know, your greed, there's a, there's a, there's a fine line between getting greedy and just, and also, you know, 
trying to trying to build a good reputation. You know what I'm saying? If uh, if that makes sense. So what I mean by that is a lot of people trying to get rich because of greed. They're trying to make ridiculous amount of fees, and they're trying to build this business. They're trying to build this business for themselves and do this as a career. You know. Uh, as a stepping stone to for for real estate investments, and so what people do end up doing that I see is that they end up getting bad reputations, even though they're making good fees, but they're also in the long run hurting themselves, and you know a lot of people don't last by doing that, and so and so I I try to explain to people I'm like look you either partner up with me let me bring a buyer okay we can do a 50 50 split fee okay i'm not going to put anything on top of it because majority of the time these people what they do is what these wholesalers do is they max out the you know maximum allowable offer right the, mm-hmm. their mao and so it doesn't make sense for me to put something on top of it when you already maxed it out okay that's just really unrealistic and so a lot of people try to do that to people who aren't experienced to see if they'll just do it and it's a it's just a strategy, and people do that to protect their fee because if right. you're bringing a buyer, you're 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 discussing the terms of the purchase price with your buyer. They know that their their fee is protected because you put your fee on top, and so that means when you're talking with your buyer, you're gonna be discussing your your fee on top of it versus going into theirs because you put yours on top. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, there's. <clears throat> There's different ways to go about it. Um, you know, some wholesalers who will go into co-wholesaling, they want to lock in what it is they're making and, uh, and put that as a, a non-negotiable. Like they would rather negotiate down the purchase price that they're getting the property from the seller before they negotiate their fee. Um, and even then, if they negotiate down the purchase price, they want to add the difference onto their fee to get a bigger fee um, and, and then expect the other wholesaler, like in this case, if someone brought a contract to Alex, they would want Alex to add his fee on top of their fee, um, which if the numbers work, that's fine. Yeah, if the numbers work. If the numbers <laughs> work. But normally um, they don't. And that's where the problem mm-hmm. comes comes into play because... You know, if, if you're in the, like the magic formula that we've talked about plenty of times here on the show before, um, you know, you want to be at about 70 to 75% ARV and, and that's, you know, all in. So your purchase price plus your rehab costs plus your fees. If you if there's two wholesalers involved, you got their fee and you got your fee and all of that has to add up to the 70 to 75% ARV. If a wholesaler is coming to you with a contract and they're already at 75% ARV, there's no room for you to add no. your fee on top of it. And chances are that's probably why they're coming to you because they can't sell the contract no. because their fee is too high. Um, and, and that's where negotiation comes in because mm-hmm. uh, if, if you're a strong negotiator, um, you can maybe get the purchase price down a little bit and fit that wiggle room and mm-hmm. put your fee in, mm-hmm. maybe negotiate down with the wholesaler, maybe yep. a little bit of both. Yep. Um, but ultimately, if you are a wholesaler and you want to maximize 
not just in volume, but in the uh, amount of fees that you can bring in for income, the best thing to do is just leverage other people's time and, and other people's efforts and their network. So it's okay to get the one or $2,000 fee and share uh, a cost with someone else. I mean, yeah. um, if I had a contract and, you know, there's a little bit of wiggle room, even if I max out the fee, I'm okay with splitting that 50 50. Cause if I did the work on the front end to get the contract and the other wholesalers doing the work to sell it, that's fair. Yep. Yep. You know, it's, it's, it's always good to, when you're, when somebody brings a deal, um, is to check their numbers. A um, few things that you need to know is, do they have comps? A few things. Uh, another thing you need to know is, okay, do you have a rehab bid? Okay, do you do you have credibility behind what you're claiming the purchase price it needs to is going to be at? Uh, what where how you got your numbers? Just pretty much you need a, a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people just, especially these new wholesalers, they a lot of them don't have. Um, you know, they they don't have the experience to really say what the rehab bid is really is. You know, and so I challenge people. I ask them, okay, well, how how did you get this based off of uh, based off of you know your your due diligence? How did you arrive at this number on rehab? They're like, oh, you know, I just use a formula. I said, okay. So majority of the time, when I have new people coming to me, uh, first thing I always do ask one, do you got a rehab bid? Two, okay. Do you have what what documents did you get signed by the seller? Did you get your seller's disclosure? Did you get a lead based paint? Okay, all this stuff you need to know. Okay, and two, okay, how do how do we get access? Right. And three, how how will we split this fee? I am what a, a great leverage a leverage point or something leverage to to get yourself a 50-50 with them is to say, hey, I'm bringing half the deal. Uh, I'm bringing the buyer. I'm going to facilitate the contracts with him. I'm going to handle it with title. Um, you know, I'm bringing half the deal. So in order for this deal to happen, I'm going to need a 50-50 split. And a lot of people get scared asking for 50-50. But I mean, what you what you don't ask, you won't get. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. So you know, I tell people how, how their numbers are once I run them. Uh, you know, I'm pretty upfront with it. If I'm going to be pitching out this guy's purchase price, I need to make sure that those numbers look well. I need to validate those numbers. I need to see how they got their comps mm-hmm. and how do they figure out their comps. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. So, some people, I know some people, they're like, hey, well, this is the highest one. So this has to be the ARB for that property. I'm like, no, man, it's not. <laughs> you know, and you'll be surprised. A lot of people, what they do is they, uh, they run their comps very different. And sometimes yeah, yeah. it just doesn't make sense. Sometimes I met this one wholesaler. He goes off of Zillow. He got his ARV off Zillow. Okay. And so that just told me right there, everything he's doing is just pretty much wrong from his rehab. Okay. <laughs> okay. To his asking price, to uh, his comps. Okay. That tells me right there, this guy's inexperienced. And sometimes those are the ones who get so defensive or are so scared of getting screwed by somebody helping them that... They just make it. They make the whole deal very difficult, and so when you have new wholesalers that seem like they don't know what they're doing, you kind of got to step in and help them out. Ask them questions that you know you need to know. Okay, 
if there's tenants there, okay, is it a lease? Is it a, is it are they on a lease? Are they on a month to month? How much are they getting in rent? Okay, what are they paying? Are they paying? Is it all bills paid? How uh, you know how much how much how much taxes is uh, it, the property is every year? You know, how much it's gonna cost my buyer to to get this house? You know what I'm saying? Right. And, and so, I think it's important too that. Um, you and like with anything you need to set expectations Mm -hmm. so if you're the person who's handling the back end of selling the contract that another wholesaler brings to you um you know one of the things you can do right off the bat is say these are the uh, like we have a policy a process this is a checklist of all the things i need because Mm -hmm. i need to present this to my buyer and if i can't get this to my buyer we can't make this deal happen because uh, a lot of times, you know, you'll have um, maybe a situation where you you ask this wholesaler, oh, well, I need to see the, the contract. Um, because there's another important question you want to find out, is this their contract or are they trying to sell someone else's contract as their own? And, yeah. and right away, one of the big things that's going to give you an indication on, uh, on where they're at with that, if they're you know, daisy chaining on someone else's deal yeah. is asking to see the original contract. And if they get defensive and they're like, well, uh, you know, why do you need to see the contract? It's probably because they're not the one who's actually wholesaling yeah. the contract. You, you know, a lot of people, uh, a lot of people hate daisy chaining. I, I personally don't like it just because there's too many, it becomes very complex, very frustrating when you have like four people uh, with their hands on in this deal. Right. And especially when you're bringing half the deal, it just it's not worth your time sometimes, right? But I, it, I think daisy chaining is acceptable when there's a big fee when you're doing like, you know, twenty units and up type of deals, and there's like a fifty thousand dollar, you know, assignment fee involved in this. I think daisy chaining at that point would be fine. You know what I'm saying? Because you, again, I mean, as long as the numbers work, as long you know, as the numbers if, work, if, every, <laughs> if everybody's winning, there's no problems. It's it, the problem comes up when the numbers don't work and yeah. no one wants to budge. Yeah, and and uh, the problem comes up when there's only like four thousand dollars of an assignment fee to be made and you got like four people involved and <laughs> yeah. nobody does. Everybody wants a three thousand uh, dollar deposit on their yeah. on their yeah. end, and that just doesn't work out. I think the other thing too to to that's helpful to clarify, and I know everybody has a different process, but. You know, here at Hillco, one of the things that we do uh, to stay uh, legitimate and to you know to be completely transparent is that um, our payout process. Mm-hmm. You know, like how like establish that as part of your expectations. You know, like uh, who's going to be at title, who's going to receive funds at closing. You know, like uh, uh, as an example, let's say you know um, a wholesaler has a contract and another whole second wholesaler. Um, picks up that contract and tries to uh, connect with Alex to sell that contract. Well, um, if Hilco is the one that's going to be closing the deal with the buyer, then it would be appropriate to me and would make sense that Hilco gets the payout and then pays all the wholesalers who are involved. That way, at title, you don't have you know three people getting paid out mm. plus Hilco plus you know, whoever needs is getting proceeds. It just makes everything very complicated, um, and, and uh, you know that that process needs to be established as well because you know if that wholesaler coming in they want to get paid out and then pay Hilco, 
um, you know, that may not work for us. So, you know, that's, that's well, something that needs to be figured out up front. Well, I've always taught people, you need to have control of the deal as much as possible. That being said, when you're dealing with, uh, when you, when you have a buyer and you have a, uh, you have somebody who has a contract directly with the seller, um, don't, uh, I would just say if you can avoid it, try to avoid it. But what I try to do is not do, not have them assign their contract direct to my buyer, then have them pay me out of their, you know, their little right. disbursement fee. You, right. People need to be doing double assignments. You need to protect your buyer, okay? Because if if they mess up, they don't want to, uh, they don't want to, you know, refund the guy's money for whatever reason, or they get shady or something like that. You can't. The fact that you don't have a, a, a contract with them, you're only involved in it. You can get screwed. You can look bad, and you can't. You really don't have a way of protecting your buyer. And, and the other way around too. Yeah. Like if that person messes up and they're doing business with your buyer, that could totally ruin your reputation yeah. with them. Yeah, yeah. You got to protect your buyer at, at all costs. So when people are like, "No, you know, we don't want to do a diamond assignment," I was like, "Well, I guess you don't want to." You know, I guess we can't do this because that's the only way. You have to stick to yeah. your guns. I tell people, no, nah, depending on who it is, like if we have a good relationship with them, sure, yeah. Mr. Romero is more than fine than just signing it to directly to them. But we do have a process. We always collect $3,000 from from our buyer to us because if we get, the, we get it and for whatever reason our seller doesn't want to uh, let go of the non-refundable because they messed up or whatever, you are responsible and you can give back that $3,000 to your buyer. You might, you might lose some money because of that seller or that person you're working with, but as far as your buyer, you protected your reputation, you, you, know, you, you followed through, you, you made yourself look good. You know, it might have cost you some money, but at least you didn't lose that buyer, and that's very important. Right. If buyers are very important in this game, okay? And so <laughs> you need to protect your buyers. So anytime you're going to do a co-wholesale deal with anybody, do a double assignment. Have them assign it to you for whatever purchase price. Y'all agree with if y'all doing it at 50-50 and you're, uh, so they're asking 120 and it makes sense at 120 and they got it at 110 and y'all doing a 50-50, then that means they needed to assign it to you at 115 and then you assign it to your buyer at 120. That way you're protected, the seller's protected, the buyer's protected. It keeps people honest. Okay, there's no shadiness, right? And you don't ever want your sell your uh, the people you're co-selling to really deal with your buyer but you. You need right. to protect your buyer. That's your buyer. Right. So sometimes when people are trying to go around me and talk with the co-wholesellers, I, I do get upset. I, you know, and I do establish, hey, if you're going to be setting up a meeting or anything like that, I need to be involved in it. This is my buyer. Right. I want to make sure that my buyer is protected. I want to make sure y'all are protected. I just, you know, for a, in order for us to build a relationship together, I need to always be involved as much as possible. You yeah. know? And, and I think uh, maybe in the uh, our next episode, possibly, we should have a Hillary on here to talk about the details of doing a double or even a triple assignment. That's yeah. something that's that's important. I don't think a lot of people uh, understand how to do that. Um, yeah. From the co-wholesaling perspective, um, the concept is easy to understand, but it's the details that people try to figure out. And I think yeah. uh, kind of like switching gears a little bit here mm -hmm. is 
Um, yeah, working with other wholesalers is great, but let's talk about working with wholesalers from another state or even another country. Ooh. If they have a contract in, uh, in another state, um, how do you go about with that? Let's say you have someone from, I don't know, freaking Florida. And, and they have a and, contract here? And they're a wholesaler mm-hmm. in Florida that has yeah. a contract on a property in Florida, but oh. they're trying to sell it to one of our buyers. Okay, What's well, that process look like? Well, yeah. I would go through that contract uh, myself. I would understand it because every every state has different laws. Absolutely. Uh, and so it doesn't make it's sense. A different it's, set of disclosures, yes, a different it, set of really documents. Is. Like you need to educate yourself if you're going to be doing this. That's why I tell right. people like this, this is time consuming because you need to understand. You can't just assume that these people are just going to do right by the buyer because sometimes that's yeah. not always the case. Yeah. And, you know, there's a there's a few people in our market that that you would think would do things the right way, but when I read their contracts, I'm like, well, the buyer pays this, the buyer pays what? <laughs> that don't make no sense, right? So that's why I read them because not everybody has the same roles, same special provision, same you know uh, terms as others, or what they try to get. Uh, you know, trying to pick up a, a property, if that makes sense. So what I mean is, if you're going to deal with out-of-state, educate yourself on that contract, have them send you the contract, make sure you read it, make sure you understand what your buyer, the, the buyer that you're going to be bringing is going to be responsible for. Okay, you can't just, don't be ignorant and don't read, not read the contract and assume because these buyers, any sophisticated uh, professional investor will read their contracts. Right. I, I deal with a lot of people that try not to read the contracts and sign it. I make them reread it because I do not want them to come back to me saying, oh, you didn't know this. You didn't know that. I've had a few people that claim they read the read it and I asked them several times um, because I had a docu sign it to them. Mm-hmm. And then when it came time for them to um, do their part, they were all... <laughs> They were pissed off because they didn't they didn't know that they had to you know pay the taxes on this or that right and that's why I asked them did you read it okay do you do you fully understand what you're signing okay because people say yes but they but they don't do it okay and so and you also want to make sure that um, if someone has a deal from a particular market where wholesaling is either not allowed or kind yeah. of shady. Um, that you know your your contracts um, are, are actually valid. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I think it's the state of Ohio that actually um, uh, made it illegal to wholesale properties. Like you can't wholesale uh, real estate without being a real estate agent, a licensed real estate agent, or broker. Um, you you just can't. Like there, that's not something that that's allowed yeah. anymore. So obviously that's a big red flag if someone says they got a deal in Ohio yeah. and they're trying to you know uh, yeah, co-wholesale. Um, like yeah, you wanna you wanna know what's going on in other mm-hmm. states that those markets are uh, how those markets work so that you know you're doing the right thing uh, the right way mm-hmm. uh, for both the seller and the buyer. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, um, you gotta treat you gotta treat every deal. As if you're direct with the seller themselves. So if a wholesaler comes and say, "Hey, I got this deal. Uh, what's going on? I got it on contract for this," I ask questions. I got to make sure that my buyer is going to be uh, is going to accept what the terms are going to be based off of what the that wholesaler agreed with the with the seller. 
I got to just treat it like I'm direct with the seller and I got to ask the same questions. Okay. Right. Well, leases. Okay. When it comes to rents, when it comes to taxes, uh, when it comes to special provisions, when it comes to the contract itself that they agreed upon, when the closing date is, um, you know, you, you got to treat every deal like you're direct with the seller when it, when you're dealing with, uh, with other wholesalers or partnering up with other wholesalers. A lot of people don't really advise that. I've, I've dealt with a lot of people that are supposed to be uh, experienced, but I end up having to, you know, get them right. <laughs> on their contracts because sometimes they draw up the wrong contracts. I've seen people yeah. do multifamilies with five and up and they still use a residential contract. So you, that's, that's ignorance. You know what I'm saying? You've got to, you got to understand what contracts you're using and you got to read them. A lot right. of people don't read these contracts. They just assume because in the state of Texas, our, our forms come from track Texas real estate uh, commission. They think they don't have to read it. Still gotta read it, you know. What I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. This is just very important. That's why I I preach a lot about it. Um, you gotta set proper expectations with your buyer. You gotta let them know what they're walking into before they sign. Otherwise, you're just gonna look mad and you're gonna lose a buyer, and then you're gonna have to get back their non-refundable because that's not what they agreed upon. And especially if it's not in the contract, mm-hmm. you gotta make sure that they're aware of it that you got. You know, it's okay. You got them. You got them to agree to the terms, and it's always best in general just to put all the terms of special provision for mm-hmm. any outside of, uh, you know, any other specific terms. You know, related. Yeah, and with all of that said, it's important to let our listeners know that if you're listening to this and you're a wholesaler in another state, mm-hmm. we definitely do want to do business with you, um, as you may or may not know hillco is growing we are uh, looking for um, you know partners to open up franchise locations in different cities and different states all across the country um, but that doesn't mean we're going to stop wholesaling just because we have a location somewhere so if you have deals and the numbers work we're willing to work with you we've got buyers that would probably buy your deals and we've got deals that your buyers will probably want to buy as well. So we're happy to do business with you. Um, you know, reach out to us. Uh, you can uh, contact Alex at, you know, Alex, A-L-E-X, at hillcohomes.com. He's our dispositions guy. So he, in, here in Hillco, our acquisitions team will acquire contracts. It's Alex's job to match them up with a buyer. So if you have a contract and you want to get that thing moved, Alex is the guy to talk to. Um, so definitely reach out to us. Um, you can contact us, like I said, at, at, at Alex's email. Um, you can also send us a direct message on our Facebook account, uh, you know, uh, at Hilco Homes on Facebook. Um, but we're all here to help. You know, we, if, the, if the numbers work, everybody wins. It's a good mm-hmm. situation. We're happy to take a look at it. Yeah. So what I tell people, if you're going to bring me a deal, okay, you need to be very specific about certain things. You need to, you need to let me know if there's any liens, any problems, or if, if title's not cleared for whatever reason. I need to know these things. I need to know what my buyer's going to walk into. I need communication. I need cooperation. I need to know what the access is. You know, I, I need to know a lot of stuff, so I need you to be ready to be uh, to answer questions when you when you reach out to me because 
I'm going to I'm going to do my due diligence on the property. I run it through Mr. Romero, the owner of the company too, and I always follow up with them on every deal. I'm not going to bring them deals that don't make sense. So, be realistic with your numbers, have some credibility, uh, you know, have some good comps, some comparisons. Okay, and try to have a rehab bid. <laughs> if you have a, a rehab bid by a licensed general contractor, that builds so much credibility and that gives you a lot of leverage. So when people give you pushback on it, you're like, hey, look, I got this rehab bid from a license. He said he'll do it for this. This is the price. This is what he thinks the proper, this is what he evaluated the rehab to be on it. Uh, if you choose to use him, that's, I'll definitely connect you with him. Um, if not, you know, I, I mean, that's on you, <laughs> but you know, it's always good, uh, to build relationships and connect, you know, your buyer with a hard money lender. So you need a, you know, you need to, you know, if you want to look good, you need to have some, a good network. You need to have a number of subcontractors ready. A lot of vendors, you need to have hard money lenders ready. You know, you need to build these relationships. And when you connect these buyers with the hard money lenders for a de- because they need, they don't have somebody for, um, they don't have a hard money lender, but they're, they want to get your property. Then you need to help them acquire a hard money lender to connect with anybody. There's so many people that are hard money lenders. It's ridiculous. It's, it's, it's hard not to run into somebody on Facebook. If you have a lot of real estate, you know, uh, uh, investor friends, mm-hmm. It's really hard to not come across one. Everybody wants to be a hard money lender. It's crazy. <laughs> and so eventually what I'm starting to see is people are getting actually more lenient on their, on their, uh, on their, what is it? And their process to get a loan from them because there's so many people. So it just creates competitiveness, competition for other hard money lenders where it makes them more lenient. So that way they can draw in more business for themselves. Yeah. Well, we're coming up to the end of our show and, um, or for this episode. And, um, yeah, so co-wholesaling, um, it's, it's an important part of being a wholesaler. It's a, a one big aspect to growing your business, generating more revenue, um, and just, you know, getting better at your craft. So we, like I mentioned, are always looking, uh, to, to work with others if the numbers work. Um, we're happy to do business with you um, as long as everybody wins and we're doing the right thing for the seller and the buyer. Um, then, you know, we're, we're happy to take a look at it again. Reach out to us. We have a lot of resources that we'd love to connect with you. Um, you know, whether you're in Texas or outside of Texas, doesn't matter. We're, you know, we'll, we'll take a look at what you got. And um, yeah, just reach out to us. And thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, we'll have a couple of, uh, of new episodes every single week. And um, just check us out. Keep listening to the podcast. Uh, it's 100% uh, unique content, separate, and that you won't find anywhere else, whether it's Facebook Live, our upcoming YouTube channel, um, our Instagram uh, page. Uh, the only place you'll find this content is from the podcast. So go ahead and keep listening, guys. Thanks. Thanks.